Good morning. I don't even know how you follow that, right? Everything you do seems anticlimactic. We, uh, we decided kind of at a last minute to reshow that video today uh, for you who may not have been here on Friday night. Uh, we had a 9-11 uh, memorial time and we remembered those who were lost in the World Trade Center and we also uh, recognized, remember those who serve us today as first responders in during this time of pandemic. And so we're just thankful for the public servants, for the people who put their life on the line for each one of us and make us a better people. So if you're one of those first responders, we thank you sincerely from our heart with deep appreciation. Uh, we know the price you pay, and we are a grateful people in this house. Amen? <laughs> on that September 11th day, Tammy and I were living on the East Coast, and we flew out of LaGuardia Airport that morning. And as we looked out the left window of our plane, that plane that we always take to come to the West Coast, uh, we, it flies right by the World Trade Center. We noticed that it was on fire. So the plane had just entered the building right when we flew by. But we didn't see the plane. We just thought it was on fire. And we were down in Detroit, made our way back uh, to East Coast via car with four or five strangers in a minivan that we rented together. And it's a, it was a day that we all remember. If you were alive during that time, then you remember what you were doing. If you were not alive, if you're under 19 years of age, then maybe this was the first time you got to really see what happened. Because history gets hidden a lot, doesn't it? And sometimes we miss out on what's really going on. Uh, you've heard a bit of the story that uh, I've told about being on the History Channel and being asked the question by the producer, what scares you and what keeps you up at night? After I've walked him through the book of Revelation, and scared him to death. <laughs> and he turned the camera off and I said, when lawlessness walks down Main Street without any restraint. And that, was, uh, that would become the basis of a book that I wrote, this book, One Nation Without Law. And it uh, became a Amazon bestseller it is more relevant today than it was when I wrote it a couple of years ago. Uh, we just did a second printing on it, and we had them available on Friday night, and through the generosity and kindness of some people, uh, if you want a copy of this, uh, we're able to get it to you for $5, uh, and that's a bargain. If you bought it on Friday night for 15 then just go get two more copies, because we're not giving you any money back. Amen? Uh, one of the goals that we have, and maybe some of you want to make this happen, is I'd like to take a case of these to every police precinct department in Orange County and just give it to them as a gift and a thank you for the work that they do. When we, when we study history, we learn a lot about our failures. We learn that we're not perfect. Not America nor any other nation on planet Earth is perfect. 
But without history, we don't remember how imperfect we are. History becomes a guide to help to guide us and to lead us into a better path, a straighter path, and not to make the same mistakes we made before. We are living in a cancel culture that wants to cancel above all things history and the remembrance thereof, and yet we want to pull back and say, no, it is important. That culture even wants to erase or cancel the very documents that founded our nation. I want to remind you of a couple of those documents, and I want to take you on a short history tour in California before we get into the message today, because I believe in this season it's so critically important that we know that. The preamble to the Declaration, you probably know it by heart. If not, you will remember it well. We hold these truths to be self-evident. So the truths that are going to be unfolded in this document should be evident to you as a human being. You should say that makes sense. That's what they're saying, that all men are created equal. That should be obvious to all of us. If we in any way see one man or one woman less valuable than we are, then we have failed in this declaration, and that means whether they're alive outside the womb or in the womb. <laughs> that they are endowed by their creator. They didn't pull themselves up out of the primeval sludge drop off a tail, grow a couple of arms, and go to college. They were created by a creator with certain, with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Anything that gets in the way of those things is a violation of this document. If you get in the way of life, liberty, or happiness, you have violated this. And we see that playing out right now all across America. Let me bring it down a little bit closer to home and read the preamble to the California Constitution. It says, we the people of the state of California, grateful to Almighty God. You wonder how that stayed in there so long. <laughs> grateful to Almighty God for our freedom in order to secure and perpetrate its blessings do establish this Constitution. You see, history is an important lesson for us, isn't it? It's a good reminder. Do you realize that most of the cities in California were founded as missions from a Spanish missionary? You see, the roots that laid the foundation for this state were spiritual. We get caught up in the gold rush and miss out on what happened many, many years before the gold rush, before greed grabbed man's heart, what was happening? In 1769, the first Spanish mission was founded by missionary Sedera, and he came and he taught agriculture and he brought fruit and produce to, to be planted. He taught about the kingdom of God, and he established missions all up and down the coast. You know some of these by name, San Diego, Christian mission is how it started. San Carlos, we know it as Carmel, Christian mission. San Antonio, we know it as Monterey today. San Gabriel, San Luis Obispo, 
San Francisco, boy, that one has gone south. San Juan Capistrano, Santa Barbara. In total, 21 of these were established all along the coast with the kingdom of God in the background. In 1833, Santa Ana, the president of Mexico, took away all the Christian mission property and sold it to support his government. You know, I drive down Santa Ana Canyon now and I look differently at it. He went on in 1834 to suspend Mexico's constitution and declared himself a dictator. It seems that history is repeating itself. Are you following me? He said, a hundred years to come, my people will not be fit for liberty. Despotism is the proper government for them. He didn't last long. We became a nation shortly after that. Lincoln is known for what he did around the Civil War, but we don't think about what he did for California because in 1862, President Lincoln restored all 24 California missions taken by the Anti-Clerical Mexican Secularization Act and gave them back to the church. The County of Los Angeles has a seal, many of us don't think about seals and what they represent, but they have significance. I'm gonna show you uh, this one first. You'll notice there's a little mission church over there with a little cross on it. Do you see it? Raise your hand if you see that little cross. All right. In 2004, the ACLU, if you don't know what that stands for, that's the Association of Cockeyed Lawyers United, pressured Los Angeles County to remove the cross from its county seal. In 2014, the county restored the cross. In 2016, the ACLU brought a lawsuit and the U.S. District Judge Christina Snyder ruled to remove the cross. Can we give her an appropriate boo right now? So now you'll notice we have a nice little adobe building without a cross on the seal of Los Angeles. You say, why do you bring this up? This is church, this isn't history. Well, I'm a history major, so you kinda gotta get, I gotta get the benefit of all that money I paid for tuition. (laughs) Actually, I bring it to your mind because sometimes you think things can't change or don't change. Or because you don't notice them, they don't have significance. I don't know about you, but when you take a cross off of a building that represented the founding of 21 cities in California literally brought much of what we enjoy today to this state. It's significant. Karl Marx, you know him as one of those early founders of communism, said the first battlefield is history rewriting. He went on to say, take away the heritage of a people and they are easily persuaded. In the book of Matthew chapter 13, we're gonna be talking about the parable of the toil of the tares and the, and the uh, wheat today. But I wanna start with this idea that God gives freedom and blessing. If you have freedom and you have blessings that you're enjoying, know that they come ultimately from God. He is the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow or variance or turning. He brings good to us. And good comes in a lot of forms. 
One thing that we have noticed about Christianity across the world is that when Christianity begins to take root within the economy, the economy prospers. Because all of a sudden, people stop stealing from one another, they start respecting one another, and they begin to understand that there's something about life that hard work, diligence, and faith in God that God blesses. Matthew 13, 24, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Now, I want you to meditate on that little phrase for a moment because the kingdom of heaven, he's saying, do you want to know what heaven is like? Then I want to get, I'm going to bring it down to earth to you. I want to, I want to explain it in this way. It's like a man who had good seed, not bad seed, but good seed, and he owned a field. God said, I own the field and I plant good. I created Adam and Eve, and I created man and woman in my image, and they were good. And God says, I'm going to plant you on planet Earth, and I want you to have dominion over all things. I want you to be basically the kings of the Earth. I want you to run your planet that I have created for you. And I want you to do it in such a way that it's going to bring honor to man and bring liberty and freedom to others. And whenever man is successful in doing that, we all enjoy goodness of life. Whenever man tries to go in the opposite direction, plant bad seed, or think the field is his, we run into a problem. You see, the truth is that God's kingdom is reflected on earth. We see evidence of his kingdom, don't we? All you have to do is look at your neighbor, you see evidence of the kingdom. Because that person sitting next to you is created in the image of God. And God created us in such a way that it wasn't about physical likeness. It was about something far richer and far deeper. It was something about this eternal soul and this mind and this conscience and all these things that came together in such a marvelous way that we somehow, even though we look different, could reflect him and could all be seen to be under, and be understood to be valuable in the sight of Almighty God. You see, it was God who established good. People say, well, you know, what are the laws? Where do we get the laws? All good laws come from God. All bad laws come from, from man. God brings goodness to us. The rule of law that we, that we sometimes respect in this nation, and we should respect all the time, really, it, our nation came, just grew out of the Ten Commandments and the teachings of the Old Testament, the teachings of Jesus. They're founded on those principles, and it's a reminder to us that God is the owner of all things. Whatever I have, when I, when I give my offering to church, it's really his that he allows me to steward over. It's not about how much I give, it's how much God says I can keep. And when I honor him, he honors me. When I bless the Lord, he blesses me. And God wants us to understand that, but here's another reminder that hostile forces seek to destroy the good. I don't know if you know this, but not everyone is good. You see, the mindset of mankind, the philosophy of man is this, that man is good, and when he does something bad, that is news. The Bible is just the opposite. Man is bad. When he does something good, that is news. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That there's not one that is righteous, no, not even one. That all of us need God. We need to pursue God and, and be transformed by his power, by his spirit, by his life, and by his word. 
But you see, there are bad people in the world. And they don't always riot or kill people. Sometimes they take advantage of children and they traffic them. Sometimes they change laws for their own benefit. You see, all, not all bad people look like bad people. Some of them look very respectable and, and some of them had speak with great eloquence, but that doesn't make them good people. In Matthew chapter 13, the Bible says, but while men slept, I want you to just, fra- I want you to hold on to that phrase for a moment, while men slept. You see, sleeping in the Bible has to do with more than, than just going to sleep at night. It has to do with being unaware of what's important that's happening in the world. That when you go to sleep to the things that are, that are going on around you or to sleep to the things of God, the enemy is going to creep in. He's not gonna creep in when you're reading your Bible and you're focused on God. He's gonna creep in when you're sleeping, when you take your hand off the plow, when you forget to, to walk in diligence and faithfulness before God. That's when he's gonna creep in. Notice what happened. But while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and he went his way. You see, this kind of warfare was disrupting the whole food train for those who would fight against the enemy later on. And by destroying that food train and that supply train, they were taking advantage of the goodness of the one who had sown wheat in his field. So what happens is the enemy comes and he sows something in your world, in your life, and you, you don't notice it at first. It grows alongside of the good in your life, but before long it overtakes it or it at least brings confusion and division in your life and you can't really function the way you need to function in life. But when the grain had sprouted, now this is what's interesting is because wheat and tares, they look exactly the same until a certain point and then it becomes evident. In other words, it's like saying, you could, you could say I'm a Christian and you could be alongside of other Christians, but it's not obvious that you're not a Christian until later on in life. And all of a sudden, we go, wait a minute. This is why there's so much in the Bible that says, like for example, in Matthew chapter seven, said, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons? He said, depart from me, I never knew you. He said, you see, it's possible to be deceived. And that's why, that's why what happens is you move closer and closer to the, to the end of the age, the Christians, the true Christians will get brighter and brighter, and those who aren't are gonna get dimmer and dimmer because they were holding to a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And so they weren't really tied into the Spirit of God. They weren't transformed by the power of God. It says they sprouted, produced a crop, and the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? So the first thing, they, they didn't, weren't thinking about an enemy. And so didn't you do it right? It's like people who are coming to God and go, God, didn't you do it right? Didn't you create, how can you let evil happen in our world? Didn't you do it right, God? They were blaming the owner for the tares that were in the wheat. It's an interesting revelation, isn't it? Because we see it played out in humans. How then does it have tares? And notice what he says, an enemy has done this. So he knew that something was wrong and it was an enemy that had done this. You see, God's enemy, 
sows evil. It's just a little bit of evil, not a lot of evil. Because you see, it's like leaven. Once it gets in the bread, it just begins to expand and expand and expand until it takes over that whole lump. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11 says, to keep Satan from getting the advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his wiles and his intentions. Do you realize you can be unaware of Satan the way he works in your life? If he's showing up in a red suit with a pitchfork, it's not him. It's Halloween, all right? Much smarter than that. Evil is easy to spot at first, and then you grow accustomed to it. You ever been desensitized by evil? Yeah, I know, it's, I, know I, I, I hate that. But, I, you know, it's just, it's everywhere, so we just have to kind of live with it. We have to put up with it. Interesting is the word terrors, the root word is to commit fornication. Now think about this. The Greek word for terror, the root word is to commit fornication. What is that? That's sex outside of marriage. So when you tap into tares, or what the enemy sows, it's like having sex outside of marriage. It's interesting, isn't it? You see, because what happens in sex in marriage, and this is not a sex talk, so don't everybody get all worked up here on me. God, this is gonna be great. What happens is you become one flesh with the person you have sex with. And there's a soul and spirit united that happens in that moment. And so what happens is when you tap into false religion or evil, you are, your soul and your spirit get wed with evil. Do you see how, this, see how important this is? This is a little nuance in this understanding of maybe the way you've seen it. Now, the other thing we know about tares is that they are slightly poisonous. Not enough to kill you, but if you eat tares... It has some effect. One of, of the effects is it causes dizziness. You ever been dizzy? You're just not oriented? You see, what happens in the spiritual realm, when you get disoriented in the spiritual realm, there's a dizziness and you go like, wait, where am I? We have a granddaughter who's gonna be three in October and she likes to spin around and she, she knows she has no concept of when she should stop spinning until she falls down. And then you get back up and you know, you're just still a little bit woozy. Think about that in the kingdom realm. You're spinning around, you're spinning around, you're spinning around, and you don't notice it, how bad, how dizzy you are until you fall down. Then you try to get back up and you go, wow, God must be to blame. Where was he when I was spinning? He was watching you spin out of control so that he could bring you back into control. It's also narcotic in its effect. In other words, it's addictive. You see, once you eat tares, you wanna eat more tares, like Lay's potato chips. How many of us can agree they are the greatest potato chips on planet Earth? Anybody here? I'm gonna go home and eat one when I get home. And you know, the amazing thing about it is they last forever. If you think a Twinkie lasts a long time, get some Lay's potato chips. Just try to let them get old. If you don't gobble them down, they're good. We buy them every year at Thanksgiving because I like, I like them. I know. I'm a connoisseur. I like them with this green kind of Watergate salad my wife makes. I like to dip them. 
totally decadent, I know. First Peter chapter five and verse eight. Here's what it says, be sober, be vigilant. Why, why should I be sober? That means, that means have your mind straight, okay? Why should I be always watchful? Because your adversary, you have an adversary. You have somebody that hates you. Oh, how could they hate me? I'm loving, kind. No, the enemy of God hates you. The devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't want to just kind of get you off course. He wants to wipe you out. But it says resist him. Be steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You're not alone. There's a battle raging. That's why we need to be together. That's why the Bible says don't forsake the assembling yourselves together. We need one another. Hey, you're only like one hour away from messing up. Don't look at me like you're spiritual. You know what I'm talking about. The enemy, what does he do? He exchanges truth for a lie. You say, well, this, I think this is true. Have you ever heard people say this about the Bible? I know the Bible says that, but. See, the problem, we have a but problem. It says this, but. No, it doesn't say this, but. It says this. This is what it says. This is what it means. This is what it says. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe unto those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet, and sweet for bitter. But I got good news. Can you say good news? God protects your future if you know him. Say that with me. God protects my future. Matthew 13, 28 and verse 30. Hey, may we, we may have started slow, but we're gonna end fast. I promise you this. Are you with me? Are you with me? I'll wait till everybody's with me. Are you with me? There you go, because I'm not finishing until we're, I'm done. Matthew 13, the servant said to him, do you want us to go out and gather them up? That is the tares. He said, no, lest while you gather the tares, you also uproot the wheat. In other words, it's not your job to figure out who's saved and who's not. You are not the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, some of you think you are, but you're not. He said, no, lest you gather the tares and uproot the wheat, let them grow together until the harvest. You know what the harvest is? The return of Christ. And at that time, the harvesters, I will say to the reapers, first gather the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. See, it's all a picture, isn't it? It's a parable. You know, parables were so unusual for the disciples. In chapter 13 of Matthew, it's the first time Jesus ever taught in parables. And the disciples were so shocked by it, they said, why do you speak to us in parables? We think it was just common, like he was the parable guy. All right? Why do you speak to us in parables? He said this. Now listen, listen carefully. Are you listening? Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But to them, outside the kingdom, it's not for them to know. In other words, God opens your eyes to see things through parables. You see, God is not surprised by evil. You ever been surprised by evil? I can't believe what they're doing. Really? Really? The spirit of disobedience works in, in, in the sons of, of darkness. God is not alarmed. You ever been alarmed? Oh, what are we going to do? God's not alarmed. 
me tell you something about California. I love California. I'm glad I'm here. We visited here in 1989. We came out in a car. I'd never been. My wife had been as a child. I never came out here. And I looked at my wife. We live in Ohio. You ever been to Ohio? Okay, that's why you're here. I said, why are we living in Ohio? Look at this place. We came out in like January. I was like, oh, this is like the Garden of Eden. Right? California may remove the cross from the seal. California may threaten us, restrict us, try to control us. California may classify us non-essential. They may tell us that we cannot sing, but we're going to sing anyway, amen? It cannot stop the church. Jesus said not even the gates of hell will prevail against the church of the living God. Can you say amen? For 2,000 years, the church has been challenged by persecution, ignored by indifference. Skeptics have disregarded the word of God, spurned the resurrection, ridiculed those who believe in eternity, laughed at the miracles, tried to silence our message, rob our children of faith in God. They've tried to imprison our hope, but hope does not rest in this world. It rests in Jesus Christ, the hope who is coming back, glorious and powerful one day. We will see him as he is, and the Bible says we shall be like him. Our hope is not a feeling. I don't rest in feelings. I feel all kinds of stuff. Sometimes I feel like I don't like me. I can't trust that. I know I like me. I'm an only child. What choice do I have? Our hope is in a person. That person is called by many names. He is called the Word of God. He's called the captain of our salvation. He's called the bread of life. He's called the bright and morning star. Why, he is the living water that flows from the throne of Almighty God. He is the bright and morning star. He is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world to receive power and glory and honor. Can you say amen? amen? Why, his name is Jesus. Say that name with me, Jesus. It's the only name whereby man must be saved, the name of Jesus. There is no other name. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. He is our blessed hope. Let's give him praise. Put your hands together. He is... He is my Lord. He is my Lord. Is he your Lord? You can make him Lord right now of your life if you haven't done so. You can call on his name right now and make him Lord of your life. You see, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. He comes by your invitation. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. That invitation that, that he gives to you, when you open that door, you say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, that you were buried in a tomb, and for three days you were there according to scriptures. And you rose up from the dead to give me life and all who call upon your name. And I call in your name, Lord Jesus. If you call in his name right now, he will save you. He will save you. And then you begin that process of development and growth and discipleship and growing to, to love his word. 
And then you get brighter and brighter as the world gets darker and darker. But you have that assurance of God in your heart. Amen? If that was your decision today, I want you to know that God heard your voice. God saved your soul. Share that with us. Email us. See us after the service. Go to Link Central. Share that news. Hey, today I got saved. If you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, almost weekly we see somebody that's getting saved online. They're watching this service. If you're watching uh, around the world, we just want to give thanks for you and for what you're doing to help support this ministry. For each one of you, what you do. This is an unusual season for all of us. Unusual season for the church. More unusual for some of us who decided to stay open. Amen? I can't even imagine being closed. I'd rather get arrested and put in an orange suit. By the way, I look good in orange. I just want you to know that. Not everybody looks good in orange. I look good in orange. Might be the only diet I could stay on, honestly. I might be good. <laughs>